morning, church. Yeah, let's go ahead and let the children go to their class at this time. And you can turn over to the Bible book of Ephesians. So if you can find First and Second Corinthians, which are large books in the New Testament, then just go back past Galatians, and there you will find uh, Ephesians. I'm looking forward to, I'm starting the book of Ephesians in this series, and so you can read along with me at home uh, from week to week, just read a chapter several times, and, and just get into the deep riches of what this book Ephesians offers to us. Uh, I'm looking forward to bringing this. There's four great truths of spiritual blessings that I, I want to offer up this morning from God's Word. Now, as we begin this, I want to give some background, not on the message, but, but on uh, the book of Ephesians itself. The book is about sharing the heart of Christ, no doubt. Uh, Jesus gave it to Paul. Paul gave it to the church at Ephesus. And we receive what they received through the Word of God today. Uh, this book is about the heart of Christ. Paul received it and uh, gave it to them, and we have it today. So Paul went to Ephesus in uh, A.D. We don't really know the date, the year. 53, 54, 55, somewhere in that time frame, Paul went to Ephesus. The letter was written uh, about seven years after he was there. And so somewhere in the early 60s, the book of Ephesians uh, was written. And so um, where, is, where is Ephesus? Well, you can see on the map on the screen, it's modern-day Turkey uh, today, if you know where modern-day Turkey is. Nevertheless, uh, to show what kind of ministry Paul started out with, I want to read a section of Scripture out of the book of Acts. And if you would go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 19, uh, take a moment and find that, Acts 19, holding your place in Ephesians. Because uh, in Acts 19, it's going to show you what kind of day the Apostle Paul had, and it was at Ephesus that this kind of day happened. And so uh, Acts 19, looking at 23 through 29... Here we go. About that time, there occurred no small disturbance concerning the way. Now, the way is what you and I practice. That's what they call it. Christians are the way. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis, was bringing no little business to the craftsmen. Uh, these he gathered together with the workmen of similar trades and said, Men... You know that our prosperity depends upon this business. You see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a considerable number of people, saying that gods made with hands are no gods at all. Not only is there a danger that this trade of ours fall into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis, uh, be regarded as worthless, and that she, whom all of Asia and the world worship, will even be dethroned from her magnificence. When they heard this and were filled with rage, they began crying out, saying, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! And the city was filled with the confusion, and they rushed with one accord into the theater, dragging along Gaius and uh, Aristarchus, 
Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. Man, what an upheaval that day because of the good news of Jesus Christ. That's just one day in the life of Paul. Now, Ephesus is known for Artemis. We read about that in the Acts text. Artemis was a Greek goddess known for a lot of things, but one was the hunt, for hunting. And uh, Artemis, the largest and most famous temple out of all that known world, was indeed there at Ephesus. Uh, the temple was known as one of the seven great wonders of the ancient world, and there also was a trade route. I don't know if you can see that in the uh, lower picture, but the trade route went to that city. Now, try to grasp, Ephesus had 250,000 people. Now, our own state capital only has 115,000. Our entire county of Kankakee County only has about the same as our state capital. And so for an ancient city to have 250,000 people was a, a phenomenal undertaking to have that many. They had a library. They had public baths. Uh, they had a theater that would hold 24,000 people. It was amazing. And many people accepted Christ in this pagan city. And Paul is writing this letter to those who gave their life to Jesus. And so we find back in our Ephesians text, chapter 1 and verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, listen to what he says, to the saints, and that's what I want to pay attention to this morning, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. I love that. To the saints at Ephesus. Ephesus needed Jesus. Ephesus needed a church there in that city to brighten their dark world. Our lesson today is going to be about uh, a little bit about who we are. Paul brings out four things in this text of verses 1 through 5 that we are just going to dive into some deep understanding about who we are, and you're going to be blessed by the Word of God. First of all, we find we are saints. In verse 1, let me read it again. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus, who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul describes those people as saints, and that's what we are as well. Uh, at one time, they had been faithful to Artemis a false God. Now they are faithful to Jesus Christ. So the question would be, what does, what, what does it mean to be a saint? When I was 12 years old, we moved to a new town, a new neighborhood, and I remember playing uh, in some fallen trees. This, this neighborhood was brand new, and so there were clear, lots being cleared of the trees, and we kids were in those trees acting like it was a fort, and hiding in there in the deep recesses of all these fallen trees. And, and some of the neighborhood kids were there, and they asked, would I participate in doing something that I, I didn't feel comfortable doing? I was 12 years old, and I said, no, I'm not going to do that. One of the girls said, well, what are you, a saint? Well, what she really meant was, was I a goody-goody? Because I wasn't going to do the mischief that they were going to get into, and uh, listen, I, I didn't know what a saint was. I was just 12 years old, 
And so I said, no, I'm not a saint. And, and I was. And I didn't even know it. Because, you see, I gave my life to the Lord that very year. And I was baptized into him. I indeed was a saint and just didn't know it. So what does saint mean? Well, saint means sacred, holy, the likeness of the nature of Jesus. How about this one? Different from the world. That's a saint. You, my friends, are saints. You are different from the world. Let's not get caught up in trying to look like the world or be like the world. The footnote of the New American Standard Bible says, true believer. A saint is a true believer. And so Paul is writing here this letter to those who are different. We are different. Different from those who worship Artemis. Different from those who do not come and worship Jesus. We are different. And Paul says in verse 1 that they are faithful in it. We are saints. But secondly, we read verse 3 and we find out that we're blessed. Verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. We, my friends, are blessed. How so? Well, the Greek word for this word blessed, saying that we are blessed, that word is uh, eulogio. That's not significant to us until you learn what English word came out of it. If you go to a funeral and they talk about the eulogy, then what are they doing? They are talking well of the deceased. They are speaking uh, well of that person, declaring their goodness. And God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing because he loves us. Every blessing is to take care of us, and every blessing he gives is to nurture us and save us and mature us and equip us and sustain us. Jesus wants to see us survive. He wants to see us to, to be strong and not be quitters. He wants us to be blessed, and the Bible says he does that to us and for us. He blesses us. Now, at the end of this series is going to be chapter 6, and we're going to talk about the armor of God. And in the armor of God, it tells us that there is a spiritual war that is going on. You can't see it, but you feel it. Every time you're tempted to do wrong, it comes out of that spiritual war that's going on in the heavenlies, and Satan is warring, and, and we need the armor for protection. So that eulogy is Jesus is speaking well of us to the Father in the heavenlies. I get excited about that Jesus is speaking well of me and you to, to God the Father. And so in our chapter 1, verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed, that is, he freely gave, he bestowed on us in the beloved Boy, when God gave us Jesus, we are blessed. God thought it, redemption bought it, anointing wrought it, and evil fought it. Evil fought the church. Evil fought the Christ. Evil fights against what we're learning today 
I want you to know that you are saints. Do not deny it. Love it. Be proud of it. But uh, we also are blessed. And then third today, we are chosen. Let's go back to our text, chapter 1, and look at verse 4. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. Understand what that just said. Because I think a lot of people, they just stop right there that he chose us before the foundation of the world. But that isn't all that the verse said. The verse said that you would be holy and blameless. That's how he chose you. That we would be holy and blameless. So we're saints, we're blessed, and we are chosen. Now, many of us know what it is and we know what it feels like to be chosen last on a sandlot baseball game that kids play. You know when they start pick it, picking up sides and you see it, the, the two lines are getting lower and lower and, and you're, it's down to you. What an awful feeling that is. Or maybe the teams are filled and you didn't get a place at all. What a horrible feeling. But, uh, verse 4 again. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. Listen, before the world began, it's always been his plan that you would be in the kingdom, that you could come to the kingdom if you so desired. And so, what is his plan? His plan is that we are holy and blameless. And understand that he chooses the plan, not the individual man. He chose the plan, and his plan is, one, that he would have a people. That's always been his plan, that he would have a people. Secondly, that this people would live differently than the corruption of the world, that we would live special, that we would live holy. And then third, that he would make his people blameless before him because of the blood, the shed blood of Jesus, his son. If we would accept Christ, that that blood would cover us and we have everything to be thankful for that he chose us to be like this. We are chosen through the message of Christ. How so? 2 Thessalonians 2, 14 says, It was for this he called you through our gospel that you may gain the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So they went out preaching the gospel and men and women everywhere had opportunity to receive that gospel and be part of the family of God. It is through three, excuse me, it is through free will that we had a choice to either accept it or turn it away. The Ephesus church as well as our congregation accepted the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that a holy God has called us out of the world, out of darkness, out of an unholy state, that we would be holy, that we'd be separated, we'd be set apart just for him. And it's true even today. He blessed us. He chose us to be in him. We are chosen. And then number four, we are adopted. I, I resonate with this. I love this. Verse 5 says, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. The beauty of this is we are in. We used to be out, but now we are in. 
and I love it. Paul uses the word adoption. He is drawing from something that his readers understood. Adoption proceedings were very impressive events. <clears throat> the elaborate details of the ceremony taught the seriousness of the action of what's taking place. You see, in the early church, it was a common practice for Christians to adopt children. In that society, if a child in Ephesus was unwanted, they just turned the child out to the elements of the earth or to wild beasts, animals, whatever it may be. And Christians would adopt these children. There was a little bit of a competition because slave traders also wanted those children. And so the church saw this, and many times Christians would raise them up and adopt them into their own home. Commentary writer William Barclay said, when the adoption was complete, it was complete indeed. The person who had been adopted had all the rights of a legitimate son in his new family and completely lost all rights to his old family. In the eyes of the law, this person is a new person. So new that even all of the debts and obligations of the previous family are uh, abolished as if those debts never existed because you are a new person. So God did this for us through his son. In John's gospel, chapter 1 and verse 12, it says, To all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children of God. He gave us the right. We don't earn the right. He gave us the right to become his children. Galatians 4, verse 4 and verse 5 when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, born of a virgin, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights as sons. Wow. This adoption is powerful. Adoption is a deliverance from a past life. Adoption is being claimed by God to be his child. Adoption is something that God does for us because he loves us. He adopts us into his family. Praise his name. Abraham Lincoln once passed a slave block where a young girl was being sold. It broke his heart. He put up a bid, and eventually she belonged to him. After he paid the money, he told her, you are now free. You're free. She said, what does that mean? And he says, well, it, it means you're free, Lincoln answered. Does that mean that I, I can go anywhere I want to go? He says, yes, you can go anywhere you want to go. She said, well, does that mean that I can be anything I want to be? He said, yes, you can be anything you want to be. With tears on her cheeks, the young girl looked at Lincoln and said, then I'll go with you. God did that for us. We realized the wicked state that we were in and how our hearts are not what we think they are, that we are sinners before a loving God. And we tell him, I want to go with you. And that is a Christian when we give up our past life and we say, I want to go with you, Jesus. I want to be in your family, God. 
I don't like the family of the earth. I don't like the family of Adam and Eve. I want to go and be with you. We are a family to the creator and sustainer of the universe. We are in with all the rights and privileges of being in his family. Wow. We are not. We are not second class citizens. We are family. So he predetermined the plan, not the individual man. The plan is if we accept the gospel and live for him, we are in. We are in. In closing, a, a minister friend of mine, Mark McGee and his wife, uh, Angel, adopted three children. He said, one thing I learned in this process of adoption is finalization. Finalization is a must. Sure, there's a lot of paperwork that has to be done beforehand. In fact, all the commitments have to be made before the ceremony. But this adoption uh, was not official until it was finalized by a judge. In Galatians 3, verses 26 and 27, it says, For you are all sons of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 27 says, For all of you who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been clothed with Christ. We've taken off the worldly clothing that we have stained so bad with sin. And we, through faith in Jesus, in our baptism, the final ceremony, we are putting on Jesus Christ. Faith in the power of God during Christian baptism is the official ceremony where our spiritual adoption is finalized by the judge of all the earth. The Great Commission. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20 tells us to go, make disciples, and baptize them. Are you catching this? Baptize them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are changing worlds. I once was of this world. I am now of the next world. I once was of this family, Adam's race, and now I'm a child of God. Finalization means everything. Romans 8, 14 and 15. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father, we no longer join ourselves to the father of lies, the devil. We have a new father. We have been adopted into the family of God. And so now you see why Paul starts out his letter in the very beginning, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us. The NIV says, Praise be to the God and Father. The Good News Translation says, Let us give thanks to the God, to our Father. We've got something to be thankful for as we go through the book of Ephesians, and we're going to see a lot of deep 
rich things. And one of those things is we're saints. We're blessed. We're adopted into his family. Praise his name. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, I praise you and thank you for the rich uh, writings of Paul given to him by the Holy Spirit. And I thank you, dear God, that we can read them today. We can glean from them. We can find out who we are in Christ, and we can say thank you. And I pray for the assembly. I pray for those watching by YouTube at home. I pray, dear God, we'll reclaim who we are and thank you and be grateful for what we have and that we not give it up like a, like a bowl of stew the way Esau did. May we give you everything, sacrifice to you, and quit flirting with the devil. He has nothing on us. We do not agree with the devil. We do not want anything to do with him. And we want to come back and be with you, God. Thank you, Father, for adopting us into your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Joe's going to give us some...